What's up, loves? This is Love or Obsession. I'm your host, Queen. Hey guys, welcome and welcome back. Today on Love or Obsession, we will discuss the Star of Rock murders, a much needed girls trip, which conclusion left three families torn forever. Three women took a three-day holiday on March 14, 1960. They went missing not long after arriving at the Star of Rock State Park grounds located in Utica, Illinois. The three women from Riverside were Mildred Lindquist, age 50, Francis Murphy, age 47, and Lillian O'Edding, age 50. They drove down the Star of Rock in Francis Murphy's station wagon on Route 6, and they checked into their room. After eating lunch in the dining room, they hiked the St. Louis Canyon, famous for its waterfalls and rock walls. Um, the three women... Mm, okay, so two days later, upon arriving at Star Rock, they were found beaten to death. Um, and at first it was assumed and reported that two of the women were um, sexually assaulted, but it it turned out that none of the women were sexually assaulted. Um, thank God for that. You know, because, you know, a lot of these murder stories be having, you know, rape involved. And I'm just glad that the women weren't raped. And, you know, I'm so sorry they was murdered. You know, not to say that, you know. Okay. So the three women were friends and wives of Chicago businessmen. Um, they've been a star of rock before with their their children and their husbands, but this time the three ladies decided to go down to star of rock, you know, as a girl's trip. Like, they wanted to get away. They wanted to, you know, just relax. It's been a long winter. You know, just being housewives, taking care of the kids, holding the husband down, taking care of the house, you know. So between the three women, there were nine kids. Um, but before I continue, you guys, I just want to give you guys a little background about Star of Rock because a lot of people probably don't know what Star of Rock State Park is. Um, so really fast, let's talk some Star of Rock history. Um, and all research will be linked in the show notes because um, this this little tidbit that I'm telling you guys about is actually found on the Star of Rock website um, where you can like book your stay at the national at I don't know why I keep calling it a national park where you can book your um stay at the state park um so the parks the park get its name from a Native American legend um and legend has it that in the 1760s Chief Pontiac of the Ottawa tribe was attending a tribal council meeting where he was stabbed by an opposing tribe the Illinois Confederation a tribe influenced by European settlers now, I don't know about y'all, but when I hear Ottawa and Potawatomi, I think about the casino. <laughs> um, Hitler Field would probably roll his ass if he heard me say that because he hates the casino, okay? Okay, so the Pontiac chief was stabbed by Illinois Confederation follower known as the Illini or the Illiniwek. Um, The Pontiac followers had vengeance on their minds and hearts and following the death of their chief. So they spent the block for the chief and a battle ensued. The Pontiac Pontiac tribe was not playing. They had the Illinois back against the wall, well, up a rock. 
to be more frank. Um, the Illinois saw refuge on a huge solid rock after many days on the rock. Um, the ones that didn't die in battle died up there on that rock from starvation. And that's how the historic park got its name, Starve Rock, from a tribe of people starving on it. It's so literal, it's crazy. You know, so 1835, a soldier named Daniel Hill was able to purchase the land from the United States government for his time in the United States Army from serving in the Army. The government allowed him to purchase the land. Um, so he sold the land in 1890 to Fernadette Walter. Um, he developed the land for vacationers. Like I said, you can go on the website if you're interested in booking a stay. So um, Fernadette, he developed the land for vacationers. He built a hotel, a dance hall, a swimming area. Um, and it sounds like the place that Baby and her family went to visit in Dirty Dancing, <laughs> the movie, okay? It's really good. That's why, Baby, I'm Baby, and nobody puts Baby in a corner, okay? Okay, so in 1911, the state of Illinois purchased the, the site, the land, making it the state's first recreational park. And in, in the 1930s, the Civilian Conservation Corp placed three camps at Star of Rock State Park and began building a lodge and trail system. So it's just like one idea turned into another and then you just got a beautiful state park for, um, known for all this beautiful scenery and hiking and everything like that in a nice, comfortable stay. Um, you know, minus the terrible history of the um, Native Americans and the Three women that we talking about today, you guys. Um, so in 1966, Star Rock State Park was named a National Historic Landmark. National Historic Landmark. Star Rock State Park, guys, this sounds like a cool place. Um, I can see it now um, turned out. <laughs> It'll be like the Dells. But no, I was just saying like Star Rock sound like a cool place or whatever. And I could just see it being turned out like the Dells, the Wisconsin Dells. How everybody go down there now and stuff. Y'all know once black people get a hold of something, it's just like turned out. No, I didn't mean I meant that in a funny joking way because y'all know I'm black. Power to my people. Like don't play with us. Everybody ain't like young, wild, and free. But yeah. Okay, so let's continue back to the ladies. Um, so between the three ladies, there was nine children. Lillian O'Edding was born September 7 in 1909 in Northern Ireland. Ireland, y'all like how I put that spin on it? Ireland. Um, and she was born September 7, 1909 in Northern Ireland. No disrespect. I love different cultures and people. Northern Ireland. She was the wife of George O'Edding. They had a child, um, they, what I say, they had three children? They had three of, two children. Okay, you guys, I, I, y'all know I still write my notes, and I'm just saying, they had two children, okay? I jumbled it up so it can all fit on the line, and I'm like, they had a child. No, wait, they had three children. No, wait, they had two children. And George, and you know something, I say all these ladies was babies because they were babies. Like, they men were, they husbands were not just businessmen. They was, like, all, like, presidents of the company and executives and all. I'm like, what? Okay, so getting back to the story. So George O. Edding, um, he was an Illinois Bell executive. And I remember the Illinois Bell being, like, a phone book. If I'm wrong, you guys, correct me, email me, um, message me. You know, I always link. 
uh, my socials at the end. So Illinois Bill, I thought that was the phone book, but um, yeah, because I thought that was like the yellow pages and the white pages where that came from, or you can always look somebody up in a phone book. Look me up. It always used to be at the pay phones and stuff, the good old days. Um, I don't know. Um, so hit me up, y'all. Let me know. Um, love or obsession podcast at gmail.com or at love or obsession um podcast at instagram but anyways lillian's husband suffered a heart suffered from a heart element and she had been taking care of him for you know a while since he'd been down and out and she needed a vacation um and that's why she needed the girl's trip so she promised to call her husband that evening and when she didn't he tried to reach her because you know um I like I like this concerned husband, and it's just like he said, like she said she was going to call me. She didn't call me yet. Like, what's going on with her? Okay, so when she didn't call, he tried to reach her through the largest switchboard operator. No answer. The three ladies had adjoined the rooms, um, room 109 and room 110, while Lillian had a room to herself, and the other two ladies shared a room. Their luggage was still... Their luggage was still packed and they hardly freshened up, you know. So Lillian's husband was steady trying to reach her to no avail. He had gotten his brother and Berwin involved to reach her no avail. So he called Francis Murphy's husband to see if he could reach Francis. Frances Murphy was born July 2nd, 1912 in Moline, Illinois. She graduated from Moline High School. Um, she was employed by the dispatch in the early 30s. Her husband was Robert Murphy, vice president of the Borg Warner Co Corporation in Chicago, and he was a former lawyer in Moline. Um, the couple had four children. So now Robert calling his wife because he received that panic call from George. He couldn't reach her. Robert Murphy then called Robert Lindquist, a Harris Trust and Savings Bank vice president. And he was the husband of Mildred Lindquist. I told y'all these women husbands was big daddy, okay? Um, so he hadn't heard from his wife either. Mildred Lindquist um was born September 10th, 1909 in Chicago. Now Months and dates of all these ladies' births and years might be a little off. Um, the dates may not be off, but the year might be off. Um, and this couple had three children. Now, all the ladies were baby in their own lives, you know, successful husbands, socially elite women. You know, some research suggested that one or more of the husbands wanted something bad done to the wives like like maybe the women were like murdered by one of the husbands like sending like a hitman down and stuff but that that wasn't what happened um so that not being a fact these women were loved um they were loved. They were the backbones of their family. So when one of the husbands heard from, having heard from their, their wives, none of the husbands heard from their wives, they instantly contacted authorities. Not only regular authorities, but some of their own personal contacts because they were some connected guys. Um, I also read that three other women were supposed to have been on this girl's trip, but backed out at the last minute for their own personal reasons. Um, and, you know, I don't really like to talk about religion on a podcast, but divine intervention be something serious. You know, like uh, this 
a, a trip that was planned when six women were supposed to go, three end up not going for their own reasons, and three women go and they they end up murdered. You know, Ooh, only God knows. You know. So a massive search for the ladies ensued. The search ended quickly at a cavern, a cave in the St. Louis Canyon, where the sheriffs came upon the bodies of three women. Trigger warning. All three women had been bludgeoned to death. Their skirts was pulled up around their necks and they were naked from the waist down. Two of the ladies, um, Lillian and Frances, had their wrists tied together with twine. Autopsies later revealed that the ladies died of skull fractures and brain damage due to the beatings. The time of death was estimated around 2.30 or 3 p.m. So that was shortly, very shortly after starting their hike because they had just made it to the lodge. They barely had time to freshen up and they ate lunch and they went to hike. Um, so the pathologist could determine that, could determine at time where the, the three victims had been... Okay, so at that time, the pathologist could not determine whether the three victims had been raped or not. Um, and I already told you guys that they wasn't. It was just staged that way to make it look like they were sexually assaulted to throw the police off whatever trail that they might have been on. So the shells believed they were looking for a psychopath, a parolee, or someone who has escaped from a mental institution. The possible murder weapon, a bloody tree limb, um, three feet long and four inches thick, that was found near the entrance of the cave. So that was... That was a pretty big, thick thing to strike them women with. 62 employees of the park and lodge was were interviewed. And um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm, uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue, but I bet I still won't get it. Interrogated. That's what I was. <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. So 62 employees of the park and lodge were, were being interviewed and interrogated interrogated um another mystery was uncovered during the question of the um questioning of the employees um so the ladies had received a postcard from a friend just saying that she wished she was there um and the postcard was placed in one of the room's mailboxes whether it was room 109 or 110 the um front front desk personnel couldn't remember, but she know she or he know that they placed that postcard in the mailbox for the ladies. Um, the mail the postcard was never picked up by the ladies because, of course, they never returned from that to their room from the height. But the postcard disappeared. No one knows what happened to the postcard, so it wasn't in the mailbox no more. Um, so an employee being a suspect was looking more likely as you know the truth. Um, so it turned out that none of the women were, okay. I've said that like a thousand times already. It turned out that none of the women were sexually assaulted. Um, the crime was looking more motivated by robbery gone wrong. Um, the twine that bind that binded the women hands are what cracked the case open. Um, investigators focused on a 20-year-old dishwasher at the lodge, Chester Weger. He was a boxer at the he was a boxer in the Marine Corps. Um, he was married and he was a father of two. 
And so Winger had a no had noticeable bruises on him, and he initially passed his polygraph test when he was getting interrogated. Um, torn pieces of a love letter Winger wrote a girlfriend was found on a hiking trail next to near the bodies of the victims. Um, Winger confessed. Well, the torn love letter wasn't near the bodies, but it was on the hiking trail that the ladies were on. So authorities were really getting hot on Winger, Winger's trail because they was thinking like, well, this guy crossed paths with the ladies on the trail. Um, so Winger confessed to a robbery that turned into murder because he got scared. He stated that he encountered the three ladies on the trail and that he bounded their hands and feet together with twine that he carried in his pocket to entertain his kids with that he used to get from the kitchen because he was a dishwasher. Um, he stated he was marching the women from the canyon when Frances Murphy unexpectedly freed herself. She charged at him, beating him with her binoculars, which were broken, um, which which broken binoculars were found at the crime scene um, when the snow melted, when, you know, the seasons changed and they was able to investigate more um, authorities. Winger said that as Francis Murphy hit him with the binoculars, he picked up that tree limb and struck her with it in the back of her neck. He thought she was dead. He dragged her body to the cave. Um, long story short, he beat the women and ripped their clothes off to appear as if they were sexually assaulted um, so he could throw authorities off the trail. After conviction, he later recanted that confession, saying investigators made him confess. And Winger was sentenced to life in prison with parole after 20 years and that pissed a lot of people off because they was like after 20 years how do he get parole like he'll be able to get out and he committed three homicides um so but on that same strength a lot of people believe that he was innocent and that his confession was coerced coerced by authorities, by the police. Um, Y'all, don't talk about how I pronounce the words because I, I know when I'm saying it right, but when I'm trying to say it right and I just can't get it, y'all know what I'm talking about, coerced <laughs> by the police. Okay, so thank you guys so much for listening today. That was the story of the Star of Rock um, murders. Um, pictures can be found on Instagram at Love or Obsession Podcast. Please send all messages and suggestions to Love or Obsession Podcast podcast at gmail.com. It's Queen. I love you guys. Peace out.